You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Still eating on leftovers? How many of you don't eat leftovers? None of you. A couple of people. Nobody's willing to admit it, all right? Um, we, we don't, I mean, we have them, we do a little bit, but not too much. I don't know if that means we're snobs or whatever, but um, I just don't like the taste of leftovers. So that's maybe for me and my counselor, I don't know. But um, So hey, we're in a season of colds, of sickness, aren't we? So you people got cold, people got flu, apparently COVID's back again, and there's allergies, there's families, there's holidays, all kinds of reasons to get sick. And uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be kind of delving into this idea of seasonal allergies or seasonal emotions. And uh, we have a tendency to, to think always uh, holiday, hallmark, whatever kind of things about the holidays and feel good about them. But there's also many that this is a season where there's some difficult emotions, difficult things tied to it, whether it's family stuff or whatever it may be. And so um, we're going to delve into that. So this will be a little different maybe than your traditional Christmas series are going into. So we'll, we'll tie Jesus in, obviously. But uh, we'll be digging in over the next few weeks of what does it look like to delve into the emotions uh, around the holidays. And today we're going to start off with one that none of us struggle with, and that is anger. All right? And so anger. And uh, what is anger is all of the rage right now. You like that? That was good. I worked really hard on that. Anger is all the rage right now. Um, well, we're angry about everything, aren't we? I mean, you can look online and we're nitpicking each other. We're, um, we trust no one, especially leaders. And uh, we're, we've gotten really brave online. You can see people making all kinds of statements that they would never walk up to you and say to you. And so um, every little thing seems to bug us. And I think it like ramps up during the holidays that you see even more things. And because I don't know if it's because we get jealous or... We see other things of other people and we're just like, it just kind of comes out. And whatever happened during that season where we kind of push pause on life, it's everything that I'm reading, it has sped up everything in our life in 10 years um, as far as technology and work and economy and all this different stuff. But it also like forced us into depths of our heart and our soul and our mind that we never thought imaginable. Because one of the ways, and especially in American culture, that we have medicated ourselves from the things of life that have really kind of maybe hurt us or offended us or we've struggled with, is we've medicated through busyness. And so when we paused for a little bit during the COVID thing, many of us were stuck with ourselves. As a matter of fact, all of us were stuck with ourselves. And when we were stuck with ourselves, we didn't really like what we saw. And we got into the depths of our heart and our soul and our mind and we're like, man, I am more broken. I am more whatever than I ever thought or ever realized and didn't realize how important and how much of my identity came from my work, came from my activity, came from my kids' activities, came from whatever it is that we had in our life in that moment that we lost. We realized so much of who we were were attached to that. And so in the midst of that, I think what all the researchers are telling us is then we just became an angry bunch of people. And we've just vented at others because as the mirror of our life shown back to us, we didn't like what we saw. And the only way that we could respond to it, we felt like we could respond to it, was to, 
to take everyone else down. And so anger is all of the rage, and it seems that we're still kind of coming out of it and thinking through what does that look like. We're still doing what we need to do. And anger is all the rage, and so still, we can see it even in the political season, everything bugs us. As a matter of fact, I was reading a story and thinking about this, and there's a story about a guy who had some bugs in his own apartment. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you've had some bugs in your, in your house, and bugs bug you, don't they? And so this guy was in his apartment, and the bugs were bugging him. And this is, I won't kind of tell you what kind of bugs they were, but they were bugs. And they were all over the place. And so he got to the point where he was frustrated. He called his apartment manager and all this different stuff, and nothing was getting done. And he tried all the different things that you're supposed to try, and nothing worked. Well, finally he heard about, in his frustration and anger and and, uh, researching, how do I get rid of the bugs in my apartment, he found the answer he thought. It was called the bug bomb. And so he took the went and got him some bug bombs. And so he didn't just get himself one bug bomb. He didn't get himself just two bug bombs. He didn't get himself just five bug bombs. He didn't get himself just ten. He actually bought himself 25 bug bombs. He was that angry. All right. Now, he had a small apartment. He took it in. And so this guy, his name was Steve. Steve found out that he only really needed two bug bombs. All right. For this apartment. But he he had all of them. And he opened them up, and he learned a couple of things. One, he only needed two, but he had 25. Um, the other thing that he learned is that bug bombs are flammable. And the reason that he learned that bug bombs were flammable was because his stove had a pilot light. So Steve, in his anger, created an explosive situation. And his apartment was decimated. Now, he was okay, all right? But his apartment was decimated and blew stuff everywhere. And it worked for a moment. He said he went back a couple of days later and looking through the rubble, and guess what he found? The bugs. Such is life. We explode in our anger, and we leave rubble. But the things that cause the anger are still there. We don't really, truly deal with them. So a couple of verses for us to, to dig into. We're going to dig into Matthew chapter 5, but a couple other verses before that. In, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9, it says, Control your temper, for anger labels you a fool. I'm sure Steve was in all of the newspaper. This is where I got it from the newspaper article. From all over, he was labeled a fool for buying more than two bug bombs. An angry person. Stirred up by conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Now, one of the things I do want you to get is there are moments for us to be angry. There is a righteous anger. There are things that God himself is gets angry over. It's a righteous anger. And Jesus was righteously angry. He overturned the the tables in the temple and, and, and all of that. And so there's moments to be angry. And so for us, we should get angry at the things that are in life that are unjust. But many times our anger is not at the things that are unjust, but it's at offenses that we perceive offenses at us. And so the idea for us to be able to listen longer than before we speak. Because it's easy to see when someone becomes angry or is getting angry, right? And so even my kids, they're like, dad's getting red, you know, and so, you know, like, hey, just keep pushing the bear, keep pushing the moment. You can kind of see it. And so there's actually science 
behind our anger. Dr. Walter Cannon, who's a psychosomatic medicine doctor at Harvard University, says, you know, some of the things that happen, like your face gets red, your your neck uh, veins get swollen up, you get the clenched fist. It's kind of that fight or flight mode. Um, your stomach sugars begin to plunge and adrenaline explodes. And here's the interesting thing. Our vision becomes blurry because the brain center can't handle all this different stuff. So anger literally clouds our vision. Anger clouds our vision. But here's what you also get is that anger is much more than just a physical display. Many times we don't explode. As we we grow, we kind of learn how to deal with anger, and we don't necessarily explode, but what do we do? We internalize it. So here's a phrase I want you to get. Most of the time, our anger is a scream in the depths of our heart. Do you ever have those moments? Parents, grandparents. I mean, those moments where the anger is there and, you know, I cannot explode in this moment, but you repress it and the, the scream is in your heart. But here's the deal. When that moment happens with the scream and it's our heart, that's a healthy non-display. But also, if we don't deal with it, what happens It becomes a greenhouse for evil and bitterness. Because we put it in our heart and we scream there and then we cap it. And we don't have healthy outlets. And so this is what I think happened during our little pause of life is that we have had a lot of moments in life and we've been good adults and we've been good Christians and we've just kind of pushed all of these things down, all of these offenses that have made us angry and we've just kind of pushed them down in there. And then all of a sudden we've had a pause and the bottle cap came open. And it's still just overflowing. We don't even know how to do it. It's like putting a Mentos in a Coke bottle. It just explodes. And that's what we'll be doing in Ephesians chapter four, verse 26. Do not let sin control you. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. This anger controls us. And in that moment when we let the anger go down to the scream into our heart and we don't release it in healthy ways. It becomes a greenhouse for evil and the bitterness. And this is what happens is we play the scenario and the situation over and over and over again. And our heart just gets more bitter and more evil. And the roots of the bitterness just goes down. And we we think we're dealing with it. But we're playing it over and over and over again. So what does Jesus tell us about anger? is that we shouldn't display it out here. There shouldn't be those moments. But he tells us that even these displays here, the anger in our heart is just as lethal as the displays out here that creates rubble. So in Matthew chapter 5, in the midst of his Sermon on the Mount, the longest sermon that he has, he tells us several things. He says, first, our anger can condemn us. You have heard that it said to our ancestors, we were told, you must not murder For if you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. And everybody in the crowd was like, yes, this is the Ten Commandments. We get this. This is the law of Moses. If someone murders someone, they're going to be judgment. So you have the legal piece to that. And then Jesus expands upon that. He doesn't replace it, but he expands upon it. gives them, we're moving from just being religious to we are being, where we are not just behavior modification to the point of our heart needs to be transformed. 
And so if murder takes place in the heart, then the heart has to be transformed. And so Jesus says, but I say, if this is the conditions, if you're ever angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. So there's three different ways that we display anger. There's three different types of anger that Jesus gives us in this passage. And the first one is a word called orgasthai, and we'll get to it here in just a second. So if you're orgasthai angry, then you have the hot nose, okay? You have a hot nose. And so this is that idea of judgment that you're before the council. So that Jesus says, hey, if you have the hot nose type judgment, you're going to become before the high priest and you're subject to the civil, the moral, the legal law under the Jewish rule. And so this is an important thing for them. They would have understood, hey, if you're angry in your heart and have a hot nose, you've ever had the hot nose? We call it huffing. You just like, right? That's that frustration that we get with people. And we're like, I'm not going to say anything, but and you just kind of go. And so this is that judgment or. Or the next type of anger is if you call someone an idiot. We would never say those words. Literally means empty-headed. You empty-headed. It's The word is raka. If you are in danger, if you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. Again, there's the danger piece of it, being brought before the court. And if you curse someone... You're in danger of the fires of hell. You can see Jesus setting the stage. If this. And he's talking about, he uses a general term, someone. And I know in our passage it says you, but in the the original language it's someone. It's a generalization. If someone is angry and they say these things. If someone is angry and they say these things. And so Jesus is kind of casting the net. So that first anger is orgasthai, the long-lived boiling pot anger, the hot nose. This is a familial anger that you have a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad and you have the family thing and you kind of just let it boil and you never really take the pot off the boil and deal with the issues that need to be dealt with. Raka is the empty headed idiot that you're saying someone has literally they have nothing in their head or you know what it is. You've probably never used the word, but you've thought the word, right? The other word is interesting. We get the word moron from it. You've never called anybody a moron. Maybe a Martian. But it's the fool. Someone lacking moral integrity. So in other words, you're murdering their character. When you say something about someone and someone's view of them changes because of what you said, you're calling them a moron. You've murdered them in your anger and in your frustration. Jesus' focus, in the, even in the midst of this, is not on the words, but has to do with our attitudes. That in these moments when we get angry with people and we say these things, it's about our attitude. Because in our attitude, then we change people and we treat them as worth less than us. Do you hear me? In those moments... When we think these things and say these things about people in our anger and frustration about them, then we treat them as worth less than us. We're making a judgment upon them and we're placing them down in our anger to raise ourselves up, to justify the way that we feel. They've entered into our court, not into his. And so we make them worth less. And so here danger is, this is a failure of not loving like Jesus asked us to love. 
Love as Jesus loved, not in the midst of our offense. Jesus surely had opportunities to be offended by us and the way that people treated him, and he still went to the cross. And the way that Jesus loves, love like this. The danger of this is that if we don't seek the consequences, it's the consequences of not seeking reconciliation, of not seeking to to overcome and work through the anger and the frustration that we have with those with those people that have offended us. Now, there's a guy by the name of Newbold Morris who was invited by President Truman to investigate the government about crime and mismanagement of money. Surprises us that they would ever do that and think that that was a problem. I know. And so he's begun that investigation and that's happening. Well, later in the year, guess who is before a Senate subcommittee getting investigated for crime and mismanagement? The very, not Truman, the very guy that was in charge of it. And so he's before a Senate subcommittee and he's getting peppered with questions because he's been figuring some of these things out. And so what do they do? What does government naturally do? They begin to lob accusations to quiet all the different stuff. And so later in the year, he's before the Senate subcommittee and it's getting pretty heated. I don't know if you've ever watched C-SPAN or something, seen some of these things. It gets pretty crazy. And so he's in one of those moments where it's getting pretty crazy. And in the midst of that, he just kind of yells out, gets people's attention to stop. And he kind of catches his breath, sticks his hands in his coat pocket, and pulls out a white piece of paper. And on the white piece of paper, it says, wait a minute. He looks at it and pulls it out and says, hmm, my wife has some knowledge for me or for some wisdom for me. And it says, when angry, keep your shirt on. Puts it back in and immediately, just like you, everybody else in the room just began to laugh. Because in the moment of the heat of the battle of the anger and the frustration and everybody being name calling and the lobbying of accusations, that little moment of levity broke the heat. He sought reconciliation in the midst of that and the laughter and the anger dissipated. The first thing is our anger can condemn us. Another thing that we need to know is our anger can be corrected. Overcoming The danger of our anger requires more than just avoiding the dangers. We need to take some steps to get rid of the anger, get out of the danger of our anger. And this language in the verses 21 and 22 has to do with anyone. But in verses 23 and 24, Jesus gets more specific. He talks about you and me. He switches from a plural you to a singular you. He's not talking about everybody. I'm casting the net. I've drawn you in. And so now I want you to see how you can be Go overcome the danger, the anger danger. So if you are presenting a sacrifice before the altar in the temple. And you suddenly remember. That someone has something against you. This is us today. Leave your sacrifice at the altar. And go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Where are we most likely to be offended? Where are we most likely to be hurt? By the people that we trust the most. By the people that we've invested in the most. By the people that we've shared life with the most. So our family, our biological family, but also within the context of a church community. When we're doing church right, we're leaning into one another. We're investing in one another. And there are moments where we are intentionally or unintentionally, we are going to hurt one another. And so when that happens, 
What should we do is to seek reconciliation. But too many times, we don't go to church. We just stop going. We stop going to our community group. We stop. We drop them off of Facebook these days. Instead of seeking out reconciliation. And so Jesus says, how can we then worship the God of forgiveness if we don't offer forgiveness? Because offense is going to happen. If we do life with other people, they're going to hurt you. And in a culture of no-fault divorce, this is it. You just kind of walk away. When you are, another one that he gives us, picture number two that we need to walk through is when you are on your way to court and your adversary, you see your adversary settle quickly. In other words, not just family are going to offend you, but you're going to have enemies. You're going to have people that are not a part of the family of God and they are out to get you. Whatever reason you've offended, y'all have had this little discussion. And so Jesus says, before you get to court, it's kind of a, you see them on the side of the street before you enter the court, stop and say, listen, let's settle this. What do we need to do to reconcile? And here Jesus is telling us the immediate cure for our anger is immediate recognition, immediate reconciliation with family and with enemies. Why don't we reconcile quickly? A couple reasons. We don't want to admit that we might be the problem. We don't want to admit when we look in the mirror, we would rather lob accusations. We would rather do whatever it is that we want to do instead of admitting that we're a problem. Another reason we don't reconcile is because seeking peace, maybe we think, equals weakness. That other person should be the one to seek me out. It's not my problem. They need us. They're the ones that have made me angry. They need to seek me out. And so reconciliation, the reason that reconciliation doesn't happen is because of our pride. But for reconciliation to happen means we have to humble ourselves before the other person and say, hey, I'm angry at you. Here's why. Now, they may not even know. But if it's breaking your relationship, you need to have a conversation. Because there's something in that relationship that needs to be restored and needs to be fixed. Our anger can also confine us. If you get angry with enough people, you ain't going to have no people. One of the reasons that we're a lonely generation is because we're angry at everyone and everything. And no one can meet the standards of what we have for friendship. Jesus even says, otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer who will then throw you into prison. Now, I don't know, we don't do this today, but in the old days, debtor's prison. If someone had a claim on you and you could not repay them, you got to go to prison until you could pay it off. And if you're in prison, how many days are you working? Zero. So the likelihood of paying off your debt, if someone calls in the claim, is pretty unlikely. So that means if they call in the claim, you are in prison for the rest of your life for the offense of the debt that you owe. Jesus is drawing a very clear distinction for us. Seek immediate reconciliation so that the call is not made, the claim 
of anger is not made on us because our anger confines us to prison. And listen, if we've been doing life long enough, we have some people that we're still angry at from elementary school, junior high, high school, college, first jobs, along the way, and we just build it up, and we've been able to move, we've been able to click them off our Facebook profile, whatever it is that we've done to move on, and we've never really dealt with and reconciled. And it confines us. And then what the other piece that we don't even realize, researchers tell us that if we see someone like someone else that hurts us, we then automatically push them out of our life as well. And so the types of friends and the types of people that can be in your life quickly get thin and slim. Anger impacts our life. If it happens like that, you surely won't be free again until the last part of that has been paid to the last penny. Anger bankrupts us. Here's what I want you to get. is Jesus. If anyone had an opportunity to have offense and be angry, it was Jesus. Even at the moment of the cross, think about this. At the moment of the cross, there were two thieves on either side. At the beginning of the journey of the cross, these two thieves were shouting and condemning and making all kinds of things, saying all kinds of things about Jesus. But in the midst of that, Jesus' response to everyone else and their anger and their vitriol at him, one of the thieves saw something in Jesus and said, I believe in you. And in that moment, sought reconciliation. And what many of us would say was the most inopportune time. He sought reconciliation. And Jesus said, today, because of your seeking reconciliation, today you will be with me in paradise. A man who was headed to prison now in paradise because of seeking reconciliation. Listen, I'm not saying this is going to be easy. Seeking reconciliation is not an easy thing. That's what we talk about quite a bit with our kids. This, this is an adult thing. And if you want the responsibilities and the joys of adulthood, you have to step into some of the difficulties of being an adult. And one of the things in the church is that we should strive to be mature, emotional adults And to know that, listen, anger is going to happen. And the messiness of relationships is if we're doing church right, we're going to lean into each other and we're going to have moments. And there's going to be moments where someone's going to hurt us and offend us, whether it's intentional or unintentional. And to lean into it and to seek reconciliation. Because if reconciliation can happen anywhere, it's in a church community by people who've actually received it through Christ. This is something that the world outside of church can't understand and can't get because their anger is definitely a part of who they are. Our anger can be gotten rid of through Christ. Look at this passage. This is putting on the, taking off the old clothes and putting on the new clothes of Christ. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slandering, along with every other form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. It's not easy, but it's only something that can happen in a heart that's being transformed. Not in a body that's checking off lists and being religious, 
but then a heart and a mind and a soul that's being transformed by the work and the presence of Jesus through the Spirit. So these seasonal emotions. We've pushed pause. Look back over your Facebook. Look back over your Twitter. Look back over some of your emails, some of your conversations. And think about, am I saying things that I would never say to someone in person? Or do I have some things that are screaming in my heart that I would never say out here and I need to, I just need to deal with them. I need to let God do what He does and heal in here so that I can have the relationship that God wants me to have with Him and with others. Because our anger with other people impacts our worship. You know why most people that have come to church and been a part of church stop going to a church? It's not because the preaching's bad, although it could be. It's not because the worship isn't really their style. It's because someone that was once a part of their family ticked them off. And neither one of them had the courage to be an adult and say, I'm hurt. And in my hurt, I've become angry. And I don't even want to see your face anymore. When's the last time you did that at church? We don't. But we need to. In love, be honest in a way that we're moving toward a deeper, more intimate relationship with each other and God. So that when we come into a place like this, we can worship and we can look at others that have offended us and say, I love you. Even in the moment, you may not like them. But you're moving to love them because you've been loved, even though parts of your life have not been likable either. This season, may we deal with the emotions that we cram down. Let's bring them up and be real with us. In the name and in the power of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the baby Jesus. That, Father, that you knew all that he would go through. And you didn't think that we were worth less than him. So, Father, I pray that as we enter into this season of Christmas and of, of holidays and moments that are supposed to be filled with joy and family and faith and hope. And they are all of those things, but also in reality that life sometimes hits at the most inconvenient times. So, Father, that in this season, it's also a time where our emotions maybe are more raw than any other time of the year. So, Father, I pray in this season of the rawness of our emotions that we won't just push them down and let them scream in the depths of our heart, but that we'll let them rise to the top and let you do what you do and bring healing. But Father, that you won't do the healing part unless we do our part. And that's acknowledge them and bring them to you and bring them to those, our friends and our family that need to know 
where we need healing. Father, do what only you can do. Heal our hearts through the power of Christ, through the power of our Holy Spirit. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.